What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the It Doesn't Matter What Your Podcast Is Called podcast. BJ Cruz here with my partner in crime and tag team partner, Jeremy Laws. Jay, what's up, dude? I am sick. This whole week of wrestling has me sick. Oh, no. I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> oh, no. I'm in a very bad mood. Oh, he's, he started the White Wine Hot Takes much too early, but it's, it's, it's oh, I'm, I'm excited for where you're at, bro. Oh, yeah. I'm in, I'm in a mood. I'm ready to go in. How's it going? Good, man. You know, it's uh, it was a long weekend, but you know we're here. I got I got home in time to check out some terrible Raw and uh, some mediocre SmackDown. So I, I'm glad I made, I rushed home to uh, to catch all of that. Yeah, I saw that your uh, your team won another state title for debate. That's awesome. We did, yeah, for speech and debate. As winning a WWE championship goes, it's not easy. So <laughs> we're just happy we won. I did though buy a championship belt for the team that I said I would not open unless we won and we won and then I cracked open the box in the car ran it onto the bus and we all went wild so it was I we have an official it's it's like it's industry standard size not weight but standard size so it's legit it's a legit belt that I bought at Target uh, it's like a hundred bucks, but it's legit size and it, you know, it's not as much as the actual one the actual one, I think is like 10 to 15 pounds. This yeah. thing is like a fraction of that weight, but it's the actual length and like you can wear it around your waist and stuff. So it's, it's pretty freaking incredible. And I, I feel like a monster when I'm holding it. <laughs> <laughs> so like BR used to have, um, the old school spinner belt for, yeah. for when you won knockout. And I yeah, think yeah, the yeah. first time I won knockout, I wore that belt for like two days straight. Oh I yeah, like, I felt like a champion. I was like, "This is it. This is this is the pinnacle." Oh yeah, so no, I I totally get what you're feeling. I totally get that. I also remember those days, and the first time I won BR knockout, I felt like I like took the belt and collapsed in the corner, like we had just finished a ladder match. It was, it was incredible. So as the boyhood you know, dream has been realized, <laughs> right? Yeah, just weeping for, <laughs> you know, as I held the belt for a day, it was worth it though. So. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, shouting us out, but the, the belt made it even more sweet. So it was, it was fantastic. Let's move on to the main event. So what, what is going on with this, uh, the wild card rule that Vince just decided he was like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and implement a wild card rule for the, for the shakeup. Like, didn't you hear he's a genius? Oh my God, man. <laughs> Every two seconds. I'm a genius. I know yeah. what I'm doing. This is excellent. And it was the worst thing imaginable. It was terrible. First of all, he started off by saying there's only going to be three superstars each week. And that lasted all of 10 minutes before Elias and Shane McMahon came in. Um, and then you had Lars Sullivan coming in later, uh, insisting that it's going to be four. So it, it really is like a pointless thing um, that really made zero sense. Uh, it, it, apparently, it, it is just it, it's it's a ratings ploy to try to make sure that they're always getting as much eyes as, eyes on the product as possible. But like, it really does beg the question: What the hell is the point of the shakeup now? Literally, like, what is the point of it? I mean, I think the shakeup was always going to be a part, you know, of the calendar, and it it it's, it was where it usually is, which is after WrestleMania. I do think this was. A combination of one, a panic move because the ratings for Raw have been putrid ever since WrestleMania ended, or after, I'm sorry, after WrestleMania. And then that combined with, you know, they're moving to Fox soon and they need to have, you know, good ratings leading into that. So they, you know, they're not just kind of going into it cold. So all of that, I believe, just kind of led them to this thing where they tried to figure out some way to get you know, the biggest stars on both shows. And it, it it's just, you know, post mania is always a little bit of a drag, right? Like it's, it's kind of a ramp up to, it's, it's like a new season of a show. Yeah. And this one has started off very, uh, as the internet would attest, very games of game of Thrones season eight ish, oh, uh, a little oh, slow, a little slow at the beginning. And, you know, it better end with some fucking dragon violence is <laughs> basically like what this is coming down to. But it's they're really stuck in, in a very strange place because, again, like the ratings are just 
declining at an, a historic rate. So this, I feel like this is like an overcorrection, but at the same time, it's just very confusing. Despite the fact that you know they put out a statement on WWE.com that kind of explains the wild card rule, but it's still very. It, it doesn't feel like it's, a rule necessarily. Yeah, it's a, a muddled mess of right. like whatever is popping into the mind of Vince McMahon at, at the moment, and like. I get that they want to they want to pump up the ratings, but at the same time, like what they're doing is also killing storylines that they've been working on since after Mania. Like there was no intent; like they barely worked on building out uh, Seth versus AJ on Raw because they had to have that that almost thirty minute opening segment about like Roman coming on, and then Daniel Bryan and Kofi, who have no part of Raw, it just buried those segments like. You are killing storylines that you need to build and you need this time to build to have random stars just pop in here and there. Same thing with on SmackDown. They did the same thing. They had AJ come out and they had Sammy come out and then Kofi Kofi came out to end up challenging them for a triple threat. And and, and it still didn't help build the storyline for Kofi uh, KO until the very end of the show. Like, you're right. taking those key moments in the show when the audience is locked in. Like, you are more locked in as an audi- as a fan on those first 30 to 45 minutes of a show than you are three hours in. So, like, they're just wasting that time and wasting their chance to build quality storylines. Um, I think it's it's it, this is something that Vince, I th- like you said, is a, is a drastic overcorrection. Um, I'm hoping that they will figure something out to make this a little bit of a happy medium because right now it is is a it is a muddled mess like it is terrible on top of that it's not great that whoever is going to end up showing up on both shows every week or not every week but you know showing up on both shows it's not good for kind of the stamina and the endurance of these guys and girls right like yeah. it increases the chances of injury they're already work they already have no off season now you're going to have them pull double duty on two high end shows like it it again i don't think they saw this coming they didn't see this ratings collapse so again like you said it it, it was an overcorrection and it it just seems very very short sighted and in their defense a little bit just to play devil's advocate you know I, they do have to re, you know report to in a way the networks right like it's not just WWE they don't have the the benefit of being like an indie show or an indie promotion where they don't have to answer to anyone. They have to answer to NBC Universal, who owns USA. They have to answer to Fox. And, you know, th- that does take into account or take into effect with, with their creative. But that being said, like, they need to draw some lines in the sand to kind of repair the damage that, th- that they've done. And look, it, you know, we're in the the wrestling podcast space, so it's, it's, it's probably going to sound cliche that we're kind of complaining about stuff but yeah we're, we, you and i aren't the only ones if, if anything I, of the two of us i'm you know i probably lean more so on i'm a fan of what's going on and like i'm always talking you off a ledge <laughs> in our text chains <laughs> but you know it's gotten to a point where i'm running out of excuses for wwe and and i want to love the product there's a reason why we watch every week there's a reason why we invest in five hours of wrestling a week and you know what could be nine or ten when there's a pay-per-view week uh on the weekend but it, this it, again like the shake-up lasted what felt like two or three weeks and now it's just Completely like you said pointless. It, it, it's be, the shake-up became obsolete like yeah the usos wrestled for the smackdown tag team championships tonight what like they didn't they just lose them and then they went to raw to put some Usi hot in uh, the revival <laughs> shorts i don't know man this is it's it's crazy right now and again look it's hard to put together 52 weeks of television i totally understand that game of thrones is struggling with you know six, six episodes weeks. yeah so i i get that i'm not trying to do like pile on here but at, at some point we have to be honest with ourselves this is not great tv there's so much good talent on the roster now this is not great tv yeah and it's like i think i think what this is alluding to is it's like yes they have to do it 52 weeks out of the year but they're also doing five hours for two days like i think that is the biggest problem it's like the product was already kind of uh an issue when raw was two hours 
Um, and then they had SmackDown for two hours as well. But like now that Raw is three hours long, you can just tell that it is a massive strain on every single person in the company to have to come up with a storyline and, and come up with ways to make sure that the pro- the stories uh, and the matches and everything lasts for three hours. That is a, such a long time. I don't think a lot of people understand how long that is and how hard it is to write that kind of um, those kind of stories. So I think like I think it's easy to see now like the the detriment of the time on, on that that it is on Raw. Like you can you can just compare Raw and SmackDown. Like SmackDown has been so much better than Raw since Postmania. Like, and I think it's it's easy mm-hmm. to point out. Like, they just don't have to run three hour shows. They can get everything in in two hours. They don't have to like extend something out to something some stupid length. They tell the stories that they need to tell, and they get out. Like, I think, I think once they get through this contract, hopefully they can cut it back down to two hours, so they can really just focus in on telling the right stories rather than like trying to get um, everything in there. Uh, and really drag things out for an uh, ungodly amount of time. And it looks like they've been trying to fix things to their credit. You know, they, they've, you know, they just fired the raw head creative writer, Ryan Callahan. He was just fired recently. And then three weeks ago, you know, Road Dog, who was the head writer of SmackDown, he resigned. So clearly, you know, Vince is trying to fix things. It just has, the results just haven't been there right away. And look, the, the beauty of WWE is that they've had worse stretches, right? Like this feels like a bad stretch right Have now. Have they though? I'm going to go like, I'm jumping back to like the mid two thousands when great Kali was champion or some shit like that. You know, like it was around that time where it was, it was almost unwatchable in my well, opinion. I mean, this is borderline unwatchable. I mean, it is, it's, it's literally it's they, getting... they're taking a top tier tag team in the revival and making them a running gag, like literally having them shave their backs one week and then having them ha- put icy hot on their crotch and yeah. roll around on the mat like they're like like their balls are on fire, like that's a joke. And even like they're taking the Usos and making them into a joke by making them a gag and like oh we're just gonna prank them all the time. Like it's it's insulting to the talent to have to do this. Um, it's it's really really insulting to a tag team like the Revival who who really helped elevate that NXT tag division to like one of the best and came into the main roster with so much hype. And now they're a joke and they're going to offer them $500,000 contracts to be a joke. Like that's a slap in the face. Here's an interesting question that I, I just thought of. Do you think now with, you know, with this added pressure that's coming with the new Fox deal and the declining ratings on USA, Vince will always be in charge, probably until the day he dies. Do you think in any way this could expedite Triple H kind of taking over that head role as kind of the creative storytelling guy? Because what he's done with NXT, obviously everyone's loved, right? Like that's his new calling card. It does do these ratings and these reactions online does this move Triple H's timeline up? Because he's clearly the next guy, right? Like, he's going to yeah, be the I guy once the next Vince guy, is gone. But I highly doubt it speeds things up. I have a, a little more on that later during the white wine hot takes. But, Ooh, okay. Um, no, I don't think this speeds this up. I, I, I agree with you. Like, he is Vince is going to ride this out until the day he dies. But uh, I'm going to expand on that a little bit more later. I, I have a bit of a rant for my hot take. So I, I do want to say, I want to share that. Oh, no, so. Yeah. Well, no, well, let's, let's save that for, for, you know, my favorite segment and yours and everybody's, but <laughs> you know, while we're on the topic of the McMahon family, I uh, look, I know, you know, I think it was last episode of the, the episode before you had voiced your love for the work that Shane McMahon is doing. And as you know, an attitude era lover, no one loves Shane O'Mac more than I. I think we've we've come to a point here where we've had we're we have too much Shane. There's yeah, too much 100%. Shane on TV. He's not look, when he came back the you know, recently or it was like a few years ago now when Vince was going to quote unquote hand the company over to Stephanie and Shane came in to kind of, you know, and that's when they started this whole the you know, the brand split and Shane was given SmackDown and Steph was given Raw. 
that pop that he got is, you know, that pop is reserved for very, very few people. And he is very much deserved of that. Again, he's just not the same Shane that he was in the Attitude Era. When Shane was on the mic in the Attitude Era, fire. He was just spitting hot fire like Dylon. It was crazy. <laughs> now, when he's on the mic, did you, have you have you noticed this? It's kind of like Kurt on the, Kurt Angle on the mic, where Kurt during the Attitude Era, when he was on the mic, again spitting hot fire, and then Kurt in this current iteration while he was on the mic. He just seemed like he was talking a little slower, and he just didn't quite get the timing right on delivering promos. And Shane just kind of, he doesn't deliver promos, he talks promos, which is not conducive to professional wrestling promos. Does that make sense? Like, it's just a weird delivery. It's not, like, I'm not saying everyone has to be The Rock, where it's over the top, and, you know, you're hitting punchlines left and right. But you have to give an extra something. You can't just be like, I beat up The Miz's dad everyone hate me like that it's that's not what sports entertainment promos are like you have to be over the top a little bit that's that's the nature of the game so the fact that he's kind of at the center point now of two feuds by the way which i know that too many yeah his feud with the miz will end at money in the bank in the cage match that's great that's fine but that's just going to transition him to against reigns the biggest the biggest star in the company yeah so that means his time in the spotlight isn't even close to over and i think it needs to be yeah i totally agree like there is way too much shane and like like you said like going back to when he came back uh before wrestlemania 32 i actively screamed like a little girl when he when i heard that music (laughs) i ran around the office like legitimately screaming and two weeks ago like i was like all in on shane i thought he was doing great work but now like with the wild card and the fact that they're just actively going back and forth without like any regard for the rules of the brand split, I've completely worn out my, he's completely worn out my welcome uh, or his welcome. Like it's, he doesn't do anything for them on the mic for me. And like his in the ring work is God awful outside of like his spots. Um, So I, I, I think like we need to tone it. We need to like really, really tone it back with him, get back to where it was beforehand. Um, shoot like even get him but to where stephanie is now where she's barely even on tv um and just allow the actual people within the the actual wrestlers to do the work rather than having to really rely on shane to carry the weight uh, just because he's just not good enough and there's no need for him right there's so many good people on the roster now there's so many good workers there's so many good people on the mic like why does elias need to align himself with shane elias has the mic skills has you know, well the ring work is still tbd because again i just i'm still in the camp that i haven't seen enough from him but i have seen enough of him on the mic to know that he doesn't need any alliance or aligning with shane or any of the mcmahons for that matter so it, it, i hope this is just a temporary thing while they figure it all out i mean this is just part of them you know getting themselves on track post mania but i i hope that after the cage match, it, it slows down, but I, I just think he's going to be there with Reigns for, for a little while. Yeah, and I think it's just a growing trend that is going on within within the company that, like, gimmicks are getting stale, like, and, and they're getting stale pretty pretty dang quick. Like, uh, I mean, Shane, is, Shane isn't the only one. Sammy's gimmick literally started right after right after mania and it's it's already stale like it's it's done like i I can't stand him coming into the ring and berating the audience anymore it was fine the first two weeks now it's like literally the same thing uh that he just says over and over again and it's like all right cool like let's just move on i I appreciate the fact that they actually brought brown out um on monday and then they threw him into the triple threat uh tonight but at the same time like he was saying the exact same stuff doing the exact same things it's it's kind of a waste for for somebody of Sammy's caliber. Uh, I think they can they could really take the leash off of him and allow him to do other things. He can berate the fans if he wants, but allow him to like expand on that. Let him do th- like let him berate the actual like company or berate uh, Vince. Like he's just going in on the fans. I'm like, okay, I really just don't want to hear that anymore. So I think they need to let the leash off a lot of these guys and allow them, allow them to just be themselves. I know that goes against what they want to do in the PG era, but 
when they're at their best, when that company is at the best, their best, they allow the, the talent to do their thing. Um, and right now you can tell that a lot of the talent are just doing what the back is telling them to do and really just following along with the script. So I think if we can get to a point or a happy medium where they allow the leash off of some of these guys um, and keep the, keep the leash on some of the other ones that really need help when it comes to promos or, or, or telling a story, I think that will go a long way in improving the product. Yeah, I was glad to see Sammy switch it up a little bit. And, you know, they threw Braun out there because Braun didn't really have anything to do either. So the fact that they hadn't done this sooner was just, you know, I'm just glad that they that they did it in general. But it, I'm ex- I'm kind of excited about that feud. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm on most Braun feuds just because he's he's so overpowering in general where it's it's hard to believe that Sami Zayn would actually have a chance. But it's entertaining enough where, you know, Braun's a big enough star, Sami Zayn's a big enough star where that would make sense. I would watch that on a pay-per-view, you know, add a stipulation in there maybe to kind of even it out. You know, some news paper boy hat street fight or something like that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's, you know, throw that stipulation in there. Maybe that works. But, again, I was a big defender of Sami's gimmick when he came back just because... Again, he's so charismatic on the mic. He's he's got this ever since he got away from that hot baby face thing that he was doing when he first came on the scene where it was just like, "Look at me, I'm the good guy." And, you know, he turned on Shane and became this really really interesting heel. Uh, it just like you said, it it just ran its course. So, if he can start running down Braun, I'm kind of down with that. Like, there's a lot of stuff to make fun of Braun about. And, and given Sammy's talents, I think he could do a really, really good job of that. So I hope that's something that they pursue. Obviously, he didn't win the universal, uh, sorry, the world title tonight uh, in that triple threat match. But he still he still has chops, dude. Like, he, he can he still he go just... in the ring, man. He can, he, and they need to just use that more because that's what he was known for on the indies before he, you know, before he came to WWE and he was killer in NXT and like they have a budding star and uh, not a budding star. They have a star in him. They just got to use him in the right way. And I, I think they're starting to figure that out. Maybe they're easing him back in after a little bit of, you know, not a little bit, a lot of time away from the ring. So hopefully they've realized that he's now fully warmed up and ready to go in, in any type of program. Yeah, I agree. Another weird thing that I noticed tonight is like they totally just f- completely forgot about Becky and Charlotte. Like that was weird. Like they had Becky. Uh, I-, I believe Becky was on Raw. Um, yeah, yeah. She came out and uh, her and Lacey had another show. Yeah, yeah. Where they just beat yeah, the shit out of right. each other again. They were part of that really awkward women's segment where Lacey had all of the Money in the Bank competitors come out and watch her squash a, a local talent. Yeah, that's right. But. Yeah, they just I, I find it weird that like the two biggest stars on on Tuesday night weren't on the show. It was super weird. Consi- again, going back to the fact that they want their biggest stars on both shows. Becky literally should be on both shows because she is the champion of both shows. So, there better be some sort of explanation. I'm sure that on Twitter or something Charlotte will call that out and they'll use that as fodder for their feud moving forward. But it was just, it was, it was, it was super weird. And again, like SmackDown does have less time to make all of these things happen. But it, it also seems like since Mania, they've shoved Becky kind of into the mid card. Don't you feel like that? Like she's oh, in the yeah. middle of the shows. She's in the middle of all the shows. Even when she's been on both, she's, she doesn't start or end the show anymore. She did yes. a lot before Mania, and I almost feel like now that them having the women's main event was a publicity stunt to get people talking, and people did talk about it. But now that Becky is still the most over person in the whole company, and now you're, you know, I think Vince is a little bit showing his true colors and what he feels about women's wrestling and just kind of slowly pushing them to the middle. And again, I think that's even more evidence by not having them at all on SmackDown. Like, that doesn't make any sense. They're literally about to fight for the title in two weeks, right? How yeah. do you not have any advancement of that storyline? That 
That's a great point. Like, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I think 100% they've kind of shoved Becky back into the mid card. Like you said, she hasn't opened any of the shows. She hasn't closed any of the shows. She's literally stuck in the middle of the program, feuding with Lacey Evans, and then obviously she's feuding with Charlotte on, on SmackDown. But, like, <clears throat> there's nothing there that's kind of pushing it beyond what it was for WrestleMania. It was like, like you said, it, it got to WrestleMania, and then Vince is like, I've done my, du- I've done my duty. Like, I'm just going to go back to the way things were. So uh, I'm hoping that things change again around Money in the Bank. I mean, Becky is literally on the poster for Money in the Bank. Right. Great is, poster, by the way. Oh, it's fire. Great it's poster. so, so good. So I'm hoping that they'll continue to push it. I don't even know. I doubt she'll be in the main event, but it'd be cool if they put her in there against, like, Charlotte. If there was going to be a main event between the two belts, it would be that one. So, yeah, I, 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 it's just, it's so odd. It, it really is. I, I, I don't understand what they're doing. I think this kind of leads perfectly into what my feud of the week is, and that's Vince versus the fans. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Vince is just like, I think he's at the point now where he's just giving the two middle fingers, like just saying, fuck you guys. Like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. It's my company. I I have a billion dollars. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, he's full stone cold, just throwing up the double double birds and just doesn't give a shit. It's It's been very, very strange. I mean, I, think, I feel like he, with the double birds that you're talking about, he added a third one by having his writers write him saying the line, I'm a genius. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I feel like he's like, I want this in there. Um, and, you know, as a writer, what are you going to do? Say no to the boss? So they wrote it in there as much as possible. And he just had to build his his promo that he had to say around, I'm a genius. Look, I usually have a second feud of the week to rival yours. But I, I can't even do that this week. It's, it's again, just look at Twitter or social media in any capacity that with, with wrestling fans just kind of the vitriol this week was it was special man i've i've <laughs> i've been around for some some backlash against the wwe and the product but the past couple weeks have been uh, uh you know they've been pretty special and it's it's been great because we just started the podcast like a few weeks ago so it's it's been a great time to have stuff to talk about at the same time it is kind of a bummer that product has been suffering just just a tad i'm st- like there's no way we're gonna stop watching right no this is this is what we once we i believe once you pass the 10 year threshold of being a WWE fan you're you're a lifer yeah we're we're in there for we're in, we're in there for good but it's almost like watching like a really bad car wreck right now like it's just like yeah like you got to look can't turn away yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> it's just so bad i got a question for you which which fan base do you think is more upset right now like game of thrones or, or WWE I, I work in like fandom and entertainment right, right. now i got to say like game of thrones fans are like ready to burn this shit to the ground I have a feeling like WWE fans and Game of Thrones fans are like on the same level. I feel like Game of Thrones has more of a gripe. WWE, again, in my opinion, has had rougher stretches. And, I mean, look, it's it's hard to pinpoint that, but I still pay, think around like the mid-2000s when – you know, a lot of people had left, and they were trying to figure out like who is the, who were the new the new crew were going to be. Like Rock had left, Stone Cold had left, and that left a huge gaping hole. Until you know, they they found Cena and Orton and uh, all these people who eventually filled those gaps. But th- th- I feel like that was a more rough time, and the internet just wasn't as advanced as it, as it is now for everyone to kind of voice their opinions. But at that time, they had all like all time greats still in the stable. Like they still had an Eddie Guerrero. They had a Chris Benoit. They had yeah. A, they had those good Chris moments, Jericho. right? Like when Guerrero was champ and Ben. Uh, ooh, am, I know. It am feels I allowed weird to, Chris am Benoit, I allowed to like, mention Chris Benoit? But yeah, like even I, when it, he won the title and you know Guerrero maintained or retained his title that night, and they had that moment. I think it was at WrestleMania twenty. You know yeah. that was that was great, but there were still some rough points there where it it wasn't fantastic. That being said, look, I'm uh, I'm a Game of Thrones stan as well, and I'm not, I don't hate the show as this season as much as other people. But look, in the minute you leave a Starbucks cup in the middle of a scene, I, that's just really <laughs> you saying you're gonna watch this shit anyway. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, Daenerys stopped by Starbucks on her way to the uh, the dinner celebration for the battle of winterfell fuck you guys and i that was pretty rough like i've i've been trying to defend game of thrones to a lot of people who've been very very upset about it 
and I understand their points. I understand why. I've personally kind of enjoyed it just because, like, the character development and everything else. I'm, I'm going to catch flack for this. I don't, I don't really give a shit. But, <laughs> like, people complained about the Battle of Winterfell, and I had my gripes with it, too. How the fuck did Jamie and Brienne and uh, what's what's her dude's name that she trained? Oh, Podrick? Podrick. Like, how yeah. the fuck did they survive? Because they were literally surrounded and swarmed by whites, literally giving them hickeys and they somehow survived. So look, I understand the gripes. I think game of Thrones has gotten, and it's because it's, it's a lot more universal in terms of its fandom. Not, not to shout out your workplace, but I, uh, (laughs) I do think that game of Thrones right now is taking a bigger hit than WWE because I think in the back of wrestling fans minds, or at least WWE fans minds who aren't all smart marks, they think, they'll figure it out. And like WWE has the advantage of 52 weeks versus game of Thrones has a high bar and high expectations with what two episodes to go. Yeah. So that's, that's rough. And that, you know, with, especially with HBO shows, there's just so like people still talk about the end of the Sopranos and yeah, they're still mad about that, but not as many people in the wrestling community are as mad about great colleague being champion. All those years ago. So, I mean, apparently you are because you just, this is like the third or fourth time you brought that up. So oh, I yeah. Think that's still Do you like remember when Great Cully was champion? Literally, <laughs> champion. Not, this is, and this is when they didn't have two champions. This is when they had one champion. One. I mean, he was the yeah, face of the are, company. Those are dark times. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think like Vince and, and the, the Game of Thrones showrunners are both just like flipping the bird. And telling the audience, like, you're going to watch this shit anyways, so it doesn't really matter. It's a shame, but there's light at the end of the tunnel, I think, for the, for the WWE. There always is. But speaking of light at the end of the tunnel, Jay, this is, this is a big moment for us. And I, I think we, you know, I think we'll cheers to this after the show. We have our first ad read. Again, I, I'm beyond excited about this. Huge. Uh, We've, uh, again, we've joined the Blue Wire Network, so now we have ad reads to read, which is, again, more responsibility. So uh, it's for, for two guys who love to uh, complain about wrestling, responsibility is very high at the top of our priority list. We've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's Razors to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes three things. One, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip Ooh, and trimmer blade. Two, a rich lathering shave gel. I, if I could grow facial hair, I, both these things would sound fantastic. And three, a travel blade cover. I'll tell you, I once cut my finger on my wife's razor. And I was bleeding profusely, and I, if we had a cover, that shit wouldn't have happened. So I do that stuff all the time. Like my wife just decides to leave her razor like in the shower, and I'll yeah, put my hand the... up there and it cut. Yeah, it's it's terrible. We're all adults here. Let's cover the freaking razors. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, you get all of those things for just three dollars shipped right to your door. Another... Wait, wait, wait. That can't be right. Like, how do they make money on this? According to the ad copy, they do. So it's that's incredible. It it is. It's maybe it's it's like the WWE network. You know, it's probably, it's like all these people who just sh- there could be like five people who are going to share this ad, um, and they're just going to split the razors. So, but you again, you get all of that that I just listed above for three dollars shipped right to your door. Enough of the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Again, three dollars shipped. That's that's freaking crazy. That's more than fair. That's incredible. As you as a as a grown man with facial hair, could you use a shaving kit as I mentioned for three dollars? Oh yeah, yeah. I have two kids. I need to save money <laughs> where I can. <laughs> Yeah, three dollars is oh man, that's 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 a great deal. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in hold your breath in Germany. They they went full Kobe Bryant with this shit. That's been making quality blades <laughs> for over ninety-five years. Join the ten million people who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to Harry's.com/slash/bluewire. That's right, our new home for the It Doesn't Matter What Your Podcast Is Called podcast. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. 
you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. So if you were upset, your $3 will be shipped right back to your Venmo account. <laughs> Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for a how much, Jay? $3. Oh, man. $3. That is... That's a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Or a third of a WWE Network subscription. So, really, that's like what's, your, yeah. what's the better value? I, I ask you. So I mean... Can we can we be real here? Like, who who's paying for the WWE network? Like, aren't you just like creating like new passwords like every other month? Oh yeah, <laughs> I I had a child just so I could give her an email so I could redeem it on WWE network. Again, make sure you go to Harrys.com/slash/bluewire for your three dollar razor. Well, all right then. Thanks to Harry's razors. Let's uh let's move on to news and notes. Um, biggest piece of news coming out of tonight is we have new smackdown tag champions oh i'm a huge fan of this i i didn't get to text you my feelings on this because i wanted to save it for the show huge fan it's it's brian and rowan like that came out of fucking nowhere i know which is why again we as wrestling fans love the swerve we live and die by the swerve and this was a great swerve because did you see wwe's tease earlier today on their socials where it was like Who's going to get the SmackDown tag titles? And they listed like the New Day, Rusev and Nakamura. Did they put Heavy Machinery on there? Heavy Machinery and B-Team. So they had listed those four. Like, oh, one of them is going to be named SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And then Brian and Rowan is is fire. Uh, yeah, I, I like it. I, I like the fact that it, it also gets Brian out of that the WWE title picture and allows him to just... Which he doesn't need, by him. the way. No, he, he doesn't, doesn't need the he doesn't need the world title. So yeah, you know what this also means is we might get the the sustainable belts for the tag belts now. Oh yeah, they're back. Oh yeah. Oh the little hemp belts, yeah. two hemp belts. Oh the yeah, best belts in the business. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in on this. Like I would have really liked them to actually wrestle somebody from SmackDown rather than the Usos, but like. The match itself was fucking phenomenal. It oh, was it was great. They, yeah. For so, people who haven't worked together all that much, that was that was great chemistry between them. Yeah, and Rowan actually looked good. Like, it's very rare that he looks good. And, yeah. And uh, he held his own. Uh, obviously, the Usos and Brian are, are, are all three incredible workers, so... He really just had to look decent, and he looked good. So I'm all in on Brian and Rowan being the tag champs. I think they can elevate some some lesser tag tag teams in the, in, in SmackDown to to get on their level. I think Heavy Machinery is is what they were teasing immediately afterwards. They did tease that. Did you see what they yeah. were wearing, by the way? Heavy Blue, Machinery. Yeah, they were wearing literally jean vests that said blue collar on them. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fucking They're, incredible. Oh man, that tag team is something else. But Otis. Otis is, is a man going from my own heart. Like he is, he is everything to me. He does seem, doesn't he seem like a BR bro? Within thirty <laughs> minutes of a BR party, he'd be shirtless and doing the worm. Yeah, he he seems like he's a, a guy that would probably get fired after. <laughs> <party>. <laughs> HR would have some conversations. <laughs> he's an HR with violation waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's keep moving on here. It's quick hitters. Ray versus Joe officially announced for Money in the Bank. And they're really trying to incorporate Ray's son Dominic. So, is uh, are we expecting him to align with Joe? Is this a weird family feud heel turn coming? Oh yeah, he's turning. 100%. Oh, you think you actually think so? Oh yeah, he's turning one hundred percent. I think we're gonna end up. I don't think we're gonna get like he's gonna be on Joe's shoulder shoulders. I think what they're gonna actually do is have Dominic turn on Ray and like legitimately like just have Dominic take his place in the company. Like I think Ray oh is like God. at the point stage. Like, <laughs> this might be a little bit of a hot take, but like I think Ray's at the stage of his career where like he's ready to move on. And like Dominic's been training. Like he's a big kid. He doesn't look like Ray's a kid because like he's Let's, twice his oh, size. I have some questions so. about that. <laughs> Still secretly Eddie Guerrero's kid. <laughs> I don't know how tall Ray's wife is, but Dominic is a lot taller than Ray, and it's it makes me uncomfortable because I'm also a short person. And if my son was, I don't know, two feet taller than me, I'd have some questions with for my wife. <laughs> like, um, how tall is the milkman? So it's it's very. Sh- also, are you uh, are you projecting right now because you think your son is going to turn on you at some point? Oh, my son is going to have like a steel chair at one point when he's like sixteen <laughs> or seventeen. He's going to clock me when I'm in the kitchen or something. Like my kid is definitely turning heel on me. Oh, that's going to be. 
I might have him. Oh, I might need to get that on, on tape. He's gonna like. He's like remembering all the times I put him in the attitude adjustment before it goes to bed. <laughs> so like, he's just gonna be like waiting for me one day, and he's like, "Remember that time?" So yeah, I think he's definitely. I think Dominic is definitely turning on Ray. I think we're gonna get that that moment at Money in the Bank, and uh, I think Ray is is gonna move on. I th- I really think they're gonna try to push Dominic. Be interesting. That I mean, that'd be fine with me. I I, I I've warmed up to the new Rey Mysterio. I was always kind of anti-Rey toward the end of his run before he left for Lucha Underground. I, again, I just have this thing about the amount that other people have to set you up for your finisher. I, I'm just kind of anti that, and I think people have to... Literally, the 619 makes no sense to me. Why would you sit on the middle rope willingly? I don't I, care. I, find, I always find it funny when like they fall and then they'll crawl to the middle rope for it. Yeah, like, <laughs> like someone just is brooding Samoan dude and he's literally just camped out on the middle rope like the hurricane rana really affected him that much I feel like shit for saying this but the one time it really got to me was it was I'm and again I'm I feel like shit for saying this but it was after then it was the raw after Eddie Guerrero had passed and Mysterio was up against Shawn Michaels and the amount that Sean had to set him up for the HBK or for the 619 I'm sorry was almost embarrassing and from then on I just kind of noticed it every single time that he would be going for the 619 and it's because as a finisher it kind of doesn't make any sense no it's anyway I I digress we're going on too long about my feelings about the 619 we're gonna have like a full-on like pod on just Ben's takes on the 619. I, I'm going to move on before I say something even more terrible than I've already said. Speaking uh, of terrible, hold on. Speaking of terrible here, we need to talk about Mojo Rawley's new look. You mean the White Walker, Jesus Mojo Rawley? He looks like a White Walker that lived after the Battle of Winterfell. I, I don't understand <laughs> it. I, I really don't. I, I saw this on Twitter and I was like, immediately, like, what the hell is going on? I also like how they debuted the look on main event. <laughs> Yeah, the show that that everyone watches, classic main event debut. You know, Uh, it's like we we totally believe in this gimmick. Let's put it on main event. Yeah, let's let's see how this crowd reacts. The crowd that's three hours before Raw starts. (laughs) Oh my god! Um, But I I do like the fact that you remember before Mania he was doing those weird mirror promos, and then that's actually how he got his look was like the mirror cracked or something, and then he just traced the crack on his face apparently. But they are now running very similar promos with Aleister Black on SmackDown, minus a stupid-ass mirror and Mojo Raleigh, because Aleister Black's actually good, good. but that's <laughs> that's kind of taking him out of the ring, which I'm not a big fan of. But it is, it's a very strange thing with this Mojo thing. I don't know what they're trying to build him as. Are they trying to build him as their Aleister Black, where he's just kind of this dark, brooding dude? Or are they trying to build him like... He's a broken man, a la Matt Hardy. I, I'm just, I was just kind of confused, and it's a little, it's, it's weirding me out, to be honest. Wait, if it's broken mojo, I'm kind <laughs> of in on it. Broken mojo is a great because name. if like he starts doing like the delete and saying things in a weird ass accent that makes no sense, like I'm, yeah, very I'm, ambiguous I'm, accent. I'm all, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they start doing like random matches at a at a barn somewhere where like a drone comes up and it's Vanguard one. Like I'm kind of in on it. I just, re- I'm secretly hoping that, you know, he's going to run through this thing where he's just this weird dude. And at some point he's, I don't know, wrestling one half of the revival and main event and Gronk comes in. <laughs> like his music just oh, hits. No. I have a strange feeling that when, when Gronk joins the, the WWE, not if, when like his entrance music is going to be like LMFAO. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that WWE has the money to clear those rights. Uh, but you're right. He does have that. Again, he would have like a No Way Jose type entrance. But with... I've also come to realize that No Way Jose is just a repackaged version of Adam Rose. And it's terrible. Yeah, he's a black version of Adam Rose. Yeah, it's not great. And poor the, the poor hot dog guy got killed by <laughs> Lars on Monday. Yeah. Man, we... He took a hellacious bump on top of the, on top of the railing. I was like, yeah. man. I know he's probably a worker, but still, like, the guy's in a hot dog suit, and he's getting fucking squashed by Lars, Lars Sullivan like it's nobody's business. Can you imagine that? He's definitely an indie wrestler. And when he got that call from, I don't know, Road Dog, if he stepped down as head writer, he's probably making these calls now. He's like, hey, you're getting called up. 
You're going to be on Raw. The guy's like, oh, yeah. You're going to dress up in this hot dog outfit. <laughs> it's probably like how Johnny Gargano felt when he got called up. And he was like, do you remember this? In like the mid-2000s, he was like an elf of some shit. And he like, he got destroyed. It was. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, you got you to watch I kind of want to look back I saw it recently because I believe he was talking about it on Table for Three with Adam Cole and Ricochet. And they did a flashback video of it. And it's. You gotta, you gotta see it. It's it's absolutely incredible. Oh yeah, I definitely need to see that. Speaking of incredible, my guy Rhino opened up on some negotiation stuff with WWE. He turned down a new deal. Rhino. Yeah, and the new deal was like apparently twice the amount of his downside guarantee, so it was a pretty sizable deal. He did explain as to why, and it's his explanation is is actually pretty interesting. Like. Basically, the WWE was going to pay him to stay home more, and he definitely wants to be on the road to try to help out younger guys. So I find it, uh, it it's – I commend him for turning down the, more money to do something that he wants to do and really just be there to help younger guys um, rather than just sit at home and collect a paycheck. So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's very interesting and, and really nice of Rhino, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He's not doing a whole lot anyway. I mean, once him and Heath Slater split up, there wasn't a whole lot for them to do. So, you know, do what you got to do, Rhino. I'm, I'm, I'm with that. Moving on quickly to the, the Saudi Arabia. Oh, God. I, I can't don't want to. Oh, like, let's just, let's just brush over this, the amount that it deserves. The Saudi Arabia card was announced. It's going to feature a lot of their top hitters, unsurprisingly. Reigns is in there. They're bringing back Taker, apparently. Kofi's going to be in there. Braun, Seth Rollins, Goldberg, which let's expand on that after i read the rest of these aj styles and brock so goldberg is obviously the one that stands out because he's been out of the ring since he got inducted into the hall of fame and they're obviously bringing him back because the saudi prince has a hard-on for everything that happened during the attitude era uh who do you project quickly that he's going to face um either brock or braun he'll probably go over on either one of them but I would assume that's who he's facing. I I really don't care. Like, it's gonna it's gonna air at some ungodly hour. But like, let's be honest. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. It's it's awful. disgusting that they're still doing business in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's disgusting that these wrestlers would even sign up to do this and not like protest. I, I think Natty even came out and said that she would want to wrestle in Saudi Arabia, and I I just and she can't. I, it's oh my god, I can't. She even. can't. But like I. I <sighs> It's it bothers me that they're like even they want to do that. It, it's it's awful in my opinion. I think I think fans should protest watching this. I, I really don't think we should be watching it. I don't think we should be paying attention to it. It's it's really disgusting. So two questions on that real quick. Over under on three minutes for this Goldberg match. That's one and two. Will you be up at two thirty in the morning or whatever the fuck time it is? To watch this shit. No. And way, <laughs> way, way, way under. Oh, what do you got? Like uh, I th- minute and a half? I think, like, I think the Goldberg match literally goes spear, jackhammer, over. I think the walkout lasts longer than the match. You think he can jackhammer either of those guys that we projected? Can he jackhammer yeah, Brock? he jackhammered Brock. Oh, you're right. He did. Can he jackhammer? Yeah. He can't jackhammer Braun, though. He would, oh, yeah, he can. He would. No way. Yeah, because, I, I mean, like so much of it is going to be on Braun to just hold himself up. So like, I okay. think he can. Okay, I think he can easily do it. I mean, it's not going to be like a Bobby Lashley like hold him up in the air for twenty seconds. It's literally going to like put him up, apex him, and then slam him down. Like, I don't think yeah, it's going to yeah, be anything right. like crazy. Okay, okay, that's didn't fair. he jackhammer the like the giant like way way back in the day too? He did jackhammer the giant. And that was but that was when he was like at peak form. You True. Know? That was now he, he like was running, 60. wrestling. Yeah, now he's. I like Goldberg as much as the next guy, but. I don't, he can't do as much as he used to. Like he was a legit freak during those, you know, the Monday Night Wars. Like that was crazy. And now I'm I'm a little skeptical if he could jackhammer Braun. All right, moving on to something a, a lot better and a lot easier on our uh, on our souls. Kevin <laughs> Owens actually had some interesting things to say about his uh, his recent turn heel. He actually said that like he wanted to be a, a baby face a little bit longer and that he would have done his turn a little bit different. There we uh, go. There we go, yeah, KO, I think this, my fellow Canadian. I think this falls in line with what you said a couple weeks ago. He's holding me up, man. Us Canadians stick together. Tim Hortons, <laughs> this. 
Hey, I'm part Canadian too. Are you really? Yeah, my both my parents were uh, were born and raised in Canada. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, my fellow Canadian brother will will share some Molsons um, <laughs> as we as we do the next episode. But no, I, I I looked at this too, and again, this is what I was saying about him before. I believe this was my this might have been one of my white wine hot takes a few weeks ago. Was that again? Ko had just done the heel thing for so long, and, and to your point, he's so good at it, right? Like that's his thing that he's always been good at it was just refreshing to see him in a different light to see him like i think that's that defines how good of a performer and a superstar you are is can you play both sides right like we grew up in the attitude era when we watched rock do both sides we watched stone cold do both sides hbk trips like all these guys who carried the company in probably the most popular time were able to go back and forth so, again, I, I understand the need for KO to be a heel right now because there's a face champ, and that you know no one would really buy him in a face to if it was a face versus face title title reign. Like it's not like a Rock Austin thing where you it, that was legitimately like two superstars where you could take sides. Like everyone yeah. would take Kofi's side against him anyway. So why not just you know go ahead with the heel turn? But I. I enjoyed his face work. It was, you know, he was, he's always so engaging as a performer, regardless of where he's at. And it, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I knew it wasn't going to last, but I wish it did last just a little bit longer. Yeah. Thinking, looking back at it, like I, I would have been fine with it lasting a little bit longer too. I, I do think he is possibly the best heel in the business. It just it fits him so well, and he knows how to play it. But he is engaging as a, as a babyface as well. He just has an excellent mind for the business. He understands what it takes in and out of the ring. He very rarely breaks character. Like he'll he'll stay in character on social media and just fucking rip people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love to see. Like I love to see people just like commit to the gimmick. I find it interesting that he he wanted to stay a babyface a little bit longer. I think it would have been interesting. But I'm never gonna be never gonna be mad about him playing a heel because he's just so darn good. Again, I can't argue with that. He's he's fantastic as a heel. There's a reason why he got to where he is. He got there as a heel, right? Like when he turned on Sami Zayn at NXT, like that was crazy, and that kind of carried over to when he came onto the main roster. And he's made himself a main event type player by that. I'm just saying it was interesting, and I don't think that you know it was sustainable to probably keep him in that light especially once Kofi became champion and there was a need for more heels on smackdown it 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 all made sense but mm-hmm. i was disappointed to uh to see it end so soon uh, another thing i was disappointed to see end so soon was it was a quick moment during smackdown tonight very very quick but it was probably the funniest thing i've seen in a long time it was the matt hardy moment when he he was being interviewed and and you know truth comes in and they're having their spiel and matt hardy turns to my guy our truth because he sees something behind him and he says it's him immediately moves to fisticuffs like he's mike mizanin's dad and like there's this it felt like it was buffering the the screen because he immediately goes into the fisticuffs right a la 1930s boxer and then truth doesn't react right away and you you quickly turn and there's Lars Sullivan long pause long it was it was a pregnant pause and then Lars proceeds to destroy them it was arguably the funniest moment I've seen in WWE in a long time and look close second to the uh Usi hot <laughs> oh god I'm kidding. That was that was fucking awful. But the Matt Hardy moment was freaking incredible, and they should do I, like Broken Matt Hardy is great. It's him, Matt Hardy, even better. Yeah, it was like it was Chef's kiss emoji. It was so good. <laughs> it was... Yeah, just perfect. Uh, him and Matt Hardy and, and and Mrs. Dad are just like those are the embodiment of like square up. Like that's just it. Like. I love it. Oh, Oh, yeah. Those two and our boy Bashan. All three very much square up bros. And we we love all of them equally. 
Shout out to our guy Bayshon, uh, another another BR bro. Speaking of BR bros, our guy is do back. We, do we have another run in? Oh, we've got another run in. Our boy oh, Adam yes. Knopflet has blessed us with a new rant. Which look, sometimes people don't believe people on podcasts when they say like we haven't listened to this because we wanted to listen to it live. We genuinely don't listen to these until we record. So we're going to listen to it now, and you will get our very 100% real reactions after he is done. So everyone, he is back. The run-in with Adam Knopflet. I want to start this segment off with a story. Back when I was in college, my wife now wasn't my wife then. She was just a woman I was courting. And one night, I confessed my true feelings to her. And she friend-zoned in me. And it was tough. But after a couple days of hurt and anguish, I accepted it. And I tried to move on. And then, about a week later, she's inviting me over to her apartment to watch episodes of The Office. So I'm confused. Am I in the friend zone or do I have a chance? And I say that to compare to what's going on because I am so confused by the superstar shakeup. What shows are they on? Okay? Roman says that SmackDown is his yard, but then he has unfinished business a week later and shows up to Raw. Look, just tell me that the shakeup doesn't matter. Okay? I don't know who's on what show. I don't know who can feud with who. Quit confusing me, man. The Bray Wyatt segment is the best thing that this company has done in a long time. I'm seeing a mix of Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse meets Mr. Rogers meets Blue's Clues in an all psychotic version. I love it. Now, please don't ruin this by bringing him back to feud with the likes of Baron Corbin or Bobby Lashley, a.k.a. Big Boss Man 3.0. Just don't ruin this. Give us a Bray Roman feud, a Bray Kofi feud. Make this worth it. Please. I'm so excited for Bray. Can you feel it in my voice? Besides that, I'm really excited for this Money in the Bank pay-per-view. The card looks pretty stacked. I'm excited. You know what I'm not excited about, though? I'm having some trouble with this neck beard that's going on. I mean, my beard in general, it's always like about a 6.5. But now it's traveling to my neck, the back of my neck. I don't know about you guys. I'm just looking for a new razor that's really going to clean me up and make me look like the superstar heel that I am. Um, If you guys have any recommendations... I'll definitely uh, take my call offline and hear what you guys have to say. So it's great to hear from you guys. It's great to see all the positive feedback. You guys are killing it. There's a lot of five-star ratings. There's promotion. There's ads. And I just want to say to everyone that hasn't given this pod of five stars on iTunes or wherever you get and download your podcast, you just made the list. Holy shit. Oh my god, that was incredible. Knopf was in fine form tonight. Oh man, it sounds like he needs to go to harrys.com slash bluewire and get himself a new razor. The first, some $3 razors. $3 yeah. shipped. Oh man, oh my god. I, I gotta, we gotta follow up and see how his neckbeard is doing. That does not seem safe. No. Oh, Neckbeards are not in. Unless you're Andrew Luck. Yeah, you uh, unless you're Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck can have as many neckbeards as he wishes. But yeah, real quick, I didn't want to. Knopf touched on something that I, my favorite segment that's going on right now, Firefly Funhouse. This week, especially weird. There were some kids involved. A murder took place. It again. I, I'm a big fan. I just I just want Bray to come back as soon as possible. Yeah, this is. I I totally agree with what Knopf said. This is 100 percent the best thing that's going on in the company right now. It is super weird, super intriguing. And yeah, there was a murder on this episode of Firefly Funhouse. The rabbit is dead. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> he rest. He lasted one episode, then oh my, <laughs> the the buzzer just lost his goddamn mind and ate him. Yeah, I, I'm I'm 
interested yet terrified to see where they go with this. Like, what are they going to do once he actually steps out of the vignettes and into the ring? But I hope man. the children are involved. Can I say that? There was the dead eyes of those children had me concerned. As a new parent, uh, it felt a little kidnappy. <laughs> yeah, you don't know terror until you like you wake up in the middle of the night and your kid is standing at the foot of your bed. Yeah. Oh, Jesus that Christ. Is, yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> we we need so, yeah, we might need to have some like, off air conversations about the, your I mean, current that, living like, situation. <laughs> the, I mean the the dead eyes and the children definitely like kind of like shook me to my core. Uh, this this thing is just uh, it's the perfect kind of weird. Uh, it, it's the perfect reinvention of the character. I think he is playing it off perfectly. So I, I, I want to see where they go with this. I want to see if they can carry the momentum outside of the vignettes and outside of these little stories that they're telling every week and really make this something special. Give him a feud that is worthwhile. Give him that Roman match. I know not. Oh, I'm so down for that. Psyched for it. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our favorite segment oh, of the show. Everyone's favorite segment. Jay, I'll, I've done the, the lead into this every week. I'm going to alley-oop it to you. So why don't you introduce my favorite segment, your favorite segment, and everybody's favorite segment. This is the White Wine Hot Takes, and I am ready to fucking go in on Vincent K. McMahon. Hit the music. White Wine Hot Takes. Go home. Just go home. <laughs> Like, I'm done. Save us from the sinking ship and jump off. Like, just go home. Go home, count your millions, and let somebody younger take the reins because it is fucking unbelievable. Raw has com- completely become a shit show. It's you proclaiming yourself to be a genius every two minutes. It's just like stabbing me in the heart. It is awful to see. Your days of putting together a coherent wrestling show are over. You need to just go and focus on the XFL and allow somebody that has a mind for the business and understands what this audience, this younger audience wants and, and, and let them take over. Some of the more, this is like the most pointless storytelling I've ever seen. The promos are awful. You can tell that the, the, the wrestlers are not in on it. It is becoming a detriment to the product. Your time is over. Like, it's done. Go home. Live out the rest of your life, counting millions, and watching the XFL. Please. Please. I beg of you. I love you to death because, like, I've been raised on your product. But just go home. I I don't want this anymore. Go home. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You just went at the chairman of the board. And I can't disagree. It's... Wow, that was you've had a day. That sounds like years worth of uh, built-up frustrations that you just took out on on the owner of the company. Yeah, I, I, I'm fed up with what is going on. Like I'm fed up with seeing talent be wasted like this. I think there's a very real possibility that AEW becomes like the more popular brand. I don't think they're ever oh. going to pass them in terms of. Oh my god! You're I don't just... think they're going to pass them in terms of financial st- stability because I sure. think, like, what WWE has built is uh, it's a machine. It, it is a machine, like, and they're a worldwide phenomenon. Like, they're a worldwide company that is right always from draw more... America to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> they have an audience globally, but I think AEW has a chance to become the more popular brand, the brand that everybody is talking about, the brand that everybody wants to watch versus the brand that everybody is kind of force-fed. I think it it just all boils down to knowing what the audience wants. And I think we're at the stage now, and I think uh, it's clear to me that the audience wants good professional wrestling, and they don't get that on a weekly basis at WWE. Wow. I I don't know how I'm going to follow that because that was literally two hot, white wine hot takes. So I don't <laughs> want to step on your toes because that was that was a great, great spiel by you. I will say I have, I think, what is a good take uh, for, this, right, for the me. sake of adding to this segment. The new John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose video, was the best thing that he has produced in like two years. It was fantastic. Oh, it's amazing what you can do when you don't have the shackles on you at the WWE. 
Right. Yeah. You just use real barbed wire, <laughs> cut the shit out of your fingers, and tease a little uh, AEW appearance. Oh, yeah. The the two five on the dice. Two five on the dice. And he's. I would be jacked up if he does a death match with. David Arquette? Um, say David Arquette. Please say David Arquette. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh my God. no all right let's just let's just no. let's sidestep that comment but no oh he's uh God. i'm excited for him to return he again his character look after he turned on seth the night that roman announced that he had cancer it, it just kind of went downhill for me it, it, they, they had a huge opportunity to kind of turn him into the hottest heel in the company and they just messed it up so yeah i, I fully understand his frustrations and why he wanted to leave and it looks like this may have reinvented him because it whatever he's doing look he, from everything that i've heard and that i've read is that the barbed wire in that video was real fucking barbed wire like he went full cactus jack on that shit so very very excited for what he does next and what's likely to be an aew appearance because the first pay-per-view that they're doing based in vegas he happens to live over there so it, it and again he teased it the two five on the dice in that video it just makes makes too much goddamn sense so John Moxley, the doesn't the it doesn't matter podcast is ready for your return. Ooh, I'm ooh, I'm jacked up. You know, man. What, you know what I'm not ready for? Go ahead. Mother's Day. Oh yeah, that is uh that is creeping up. I've I got the first one on our, on our family's end for my wife. It's her first Mother's Day as mom. This is now your wife's what like fifth fifth. Yeah. So I could use some tips if you have any. You, you uh, I'm got the anything? worst person to ask for tips because I'm like <laughs> literally just like grasping at straws right now. Okay. Well, I hope she doesn't. Does she listen to the podcast? Does she subscribe? And yeah. Rate five is, stars? Yeah. She, she does listen to the podcast, so I probably should shut up and tell her. Well, like, now she knows your plans. Yeah. So bravo. Yeah. So I, I think it's time that we uh, we wrap it up. Make sure that you uh, you follow us on Twitter. We have three places that you can follow us. You can follow us on uh, Follow us a podcast account at, at doesn't matter pod. That's pod with a zero. You can follow uh, Ben at, at cruise control. That's control with a K. You can follow myself at, at Jeremy a loss. Um, follow us on Twitter. Give us some feedback on the show. Make sure that you f- subscribe and rate our podcast. Five stars on iTunes uh, and listen to other blue wire shows. They're all great. Oh, yeah, we've plenty, plenty shows on the Blue Wire Network. Again, if you're a fan of sports in general, hoops, uh, football, baseball, got it all on the Blue Wire Network. And I, I did catch a little flack in promoting the pod because, you know, we obviously we, we we tell people to subscribe and rate five stars on Apple Podcasts, which you should do, by the way. But we are available on Spotify and google play and soundcloud soundcloud all for my android users out there we are not discriminating against you so please 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 listen to us there but for my apple podcast users please 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 subscribe hit us with that five star rating and leave us a comment if you want there's already been a couple people going at jeremy in the comments which i'm obviously a big fan of so I welcome it I welcome, <laughs> welcome it. it he's jay's a true heel but again <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for listening to the It Doesn't Matter podcast. It doesn't matter what your podcast is called, podcast. I should know the name of this podcast by now. It's episode <laughs> six, but I'll learn eventually. Um, and that in the background you can hear is my three-month-old daughter telling me to get the hell off of the mic. Um, that being said, Jay, if you have any other wrestling podcasts, can you name a few of them? Oh, yeah, the Sam Roberts Show. It doesn't matter what your podcast is called. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you later. Later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>